Whoop. There it is. <laughs> Testing the audio. Audio looks good. Okay. Um, Can you hear me too? Do I have to shout? Okay. <laughs> putting it closer to you. Oh, okay. Because you are the quieter of us. In the quiet place. The um, quiet one. So I might have to come even closer than that. Go ahead, I can, babe. I can speak up. Okay. I can. Well, um, my hello, my name is Nessa Alanis. I'm Angie Alanis. And we um, are the hosts of this show called I Like Books. It's a show we started because... We like books. We like books. Um, and we're going to, over the course of the year, be doing a um, every other month book club. So we're doing every other month there's a book club. And so for this first month, we um, decided to read this book right here, The Evangelical Imagination by... Um, Karen Swallow Pryor. That's right. Karen Swallow Pryor. Um, so how do we know Karen Swallow Pryor, babe? Uh, Twitter. <laughs> um, I mean, she was, a, she was a prof at Liberty, and there was, I guess, some controversy and... I don't know, maybe she got some backlash for her political views or statements. Yeah, she did. And yeah, so she was kind of... So yeah. I met her because I came to a point where I wanted some diverse voices in my life. That's right. And so I looked up on Twitter um, some... Girls who write. No. <laughs> I, I, I wanted some, some female voices, some um, black voices, some brown voices... Um, not many of them survived. Um, yeah. Like, not, and they're alive in the world. <laughs> but I'm saying some people I initially looked to... Um, kind of fell from grace? Not fell from grace. Just, a lot of the voices I decided to follow. Um, bitterness is a stinky perfume. Yes. So if someone, all their Twitter or their... all If all their platform is used for... Is to give their enemies a middle finger. I quickly left those guys. Yeah, it kind of uh, colors their views, I guess. So yeah, so I, I wanted thoughtful people who were also gracious. I don't know, that's just kind of my style. Or at least fair. Fair? <laughs> um, well, Karen has survived all that. Mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed her, 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 her writings. I've enjoyed... I mean, I'm not saying... There's no, there's no person we're going to say everything they write I love. No. But I really appreciate her her stands. I appreciate her heart. I appreciate her integrity. Um, and so when this new book came out, I'm going to give this thing a, a read. And I, I, So we bought it for Christmas or something like that. I got it as a gift know. for something. And I, just I think maybe when you were at grad school? Or so? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. But I've been sitting on it for a while. I have this book. And I thought, let's read it for <laughs> our, our book club. So uh, first things first, um, synopsis. Uh, this book, most people are not going to survive the first chapter of this book. I think that's true. It's 50 pages, 40 pages long? I mean, it's, it's yeah, and it's deep water. It is a dissertation. Yeah, it feels like a grad school textbook. And the it, rest of the book is not this way. Uh, In my opinion, that's the book. Is, yeah. is, is easy to grasp, talk about, think about. That first chapter, she lays a foundation for what she's going to try to do. Mm-hmm. And I said, I would just say, I'm doing this. Well, she does. Can I read you? This is like her thesis like sentence. It says, a central goal of this book is to help tease out the elements of the evangelical social imaginary, which she goes to great lengths defining. Um, 
in such a way that those elements that are truly Christian can be better distinguished from those that are merely cultural. Like, distilled to that, it sounds fairly straightforward, but it's very murky. <laughs> so the first chapter, she should define a social imaginary. Yeah. All it is, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm the king of how do you take big ideas and dumb them down. I'm the king of dumb. Isn't that a good, it's, it's, it's a police song, right? <laughs> king of suede, king of pain. That's the song. Um, but uh, king of suede yeah, is weird out. Weird yeah. um, but I'm the king of dumb. Um, I, I, think I, I, I love taking big ideas just going dumb. Like not dumb, but yeah, I'm like, simple. I don't think that's fair. Yeah, accessible, relatable. Accessible. Like the goal of my life, legitimately. Like uh, my, my one of my uh, one of my heroes, Andrew Peterson, says the goal of his life is to tell the truth in the most beautiful way possible. Mm-hmm. The goal of my life is to tell the truth in the most common tongue possible. I want to speak like normal people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a any any world you go into, college or a profession, they have their own languages. Their own, yes. And yeah. so I try to use the language that anyone can walk in the room and say, I can hang with this because you're using words that I understand. Yeah. I'm not using random. Like I was at a sneaking tournament last night and someone was getting a card tournament. People keep going with GG to me. I'm like, GG? What the crap? It means good game. But I'm like, for the first four matches, oh, wow. I don't know this. Why do you have to shorten that? It's the same I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, GG. Um, so, social imagine. What's social? I'm going to dumb this down. All a social imaginary is, is stuff in the air that you breathe in. Yeah. It's the ideas. It's the, it's these assumptions and values. Mm-hmm. These, these metaphors that you just, you walk around in a culture, you just, unconsciously, subconsciously, right. breathe it in. And they tend to be unexamined. In our culture is what she's talking about specifically in the evangelical American culture. But that happens everywhere. Every everywhere. culture has things that they just assume that they don't really know why. Every subculture has it. For sure. Every subculture. I have friends of mine. Yesterday was the primaries. I'm going to go ahead and be controversial. Oh, here we go. I have friends of mine on both right and left who say the most obtuse things. <laughs> They'll say on both sides, I can't believe someone would vote for them. Like in their mind, it is an impossibility. And I'm like, do you talk to anyone outside of your bubble? Right. Like we, 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 we breathe this air that my assumptions, that my values mm-hmm. are legitimate and theirs are, uh, are illegitimate. Right, that our way of doing things is the right way. And I mean, yeah, we talk about this when we take when we would take teams overseas. Like you have to get past that notion that our culture is superior and that our way is the best and just recognize that there are different ways of doing things and different ways of viewing things. And that's that's really important. So, she spends 45 pages defending Social imaginary as an idea. So if you want to read a reasoned, thoughtful, well-researched, intelligent, boring... <laughs> um, if you want to read that... I'm turning my phone off. Stinking getting calls in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> Stupid crap. Um, so 
if you want to read that that first chapter, it's it's good. It, yeah, she's it, clearly very knowledgeable. Oh man, field. it's just it's a lot of semantics that then she has to spend a lot of time explaining because it's not a language most of us speak. It's helpful for those who want to get in deep water. It's master's level work. Yeah. It's master's level work. Which is understandable. She's a college professor, you know, so do your thing. You <laughs> loved it. I I loved the idea of it. I loved the I loved the premise. It was very fascinating to me. The um the first the first little bit was it was hard to not get bogged down in just the language and stuff. Um, but once she got into the chapters where she started unpacking the specific Chapter one is the hardest chapter. Yeah, Every, for sure. After that, I, the I read work. them and I enjoyed every one of them. Yeah. Um, I disagreed with some of them, but I still enjoyed interact. It was very easy right. to interact with because um, so social imaginary, that word, I'm going to use it forever. That's yeah. a word now I have that no one's going to understand. How great right. is that? <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a... I didn't look up these terms. I don't know if they're equated, but we in sociology we talked about like constructs, like cultural or social constructs. It's this it's this thing that like we build collectively and in this case because they're imaginaries, it's very abstract. So it's not like um it's not a know, cultural artifact. Right. It's not even necessarily like a system of like government or of organization. It's just kind of something out there that then informs the way we build those more tangible things. Um, so, yeah. Now, what's unique about this, her book, is that she, her, her assertion, her thesis, is that the social imaginaries, some of the social imaginaries in the evangelical church, in the, evangelicals are a very loaded word. Yeah, and she explains all of that. And too. some <laughs> people, and, and listen, she explains time, it, like, and then betrays her explanation. Yeah. She explains that evangelical is a big word mm-hmm. that's global in scope, but she inevitably talks about it in only an American context. Right. The American evangelical idea is completely unknown to our African, many of our European, and Asian brothers. Right. Evangelical just simply means a high view of scripture, a high view of sharing their faith, a high view of conversion as yeah. a means of salvation. Like these are things that are not like evil things. Right. Um, but in America, it's, you know, has some baggage tied to it. Mm-hmm. But I think Christianity in general, that's a whole different conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, she goes into very specific things in the American context and the modern American context. Yes. She shows how we got here um, as a means of explaining that, you know, she, because like her, her thesis is that, you know, she wants to show which things are actually biblical and Christian and which things are cultural and so she tries to make that distinction and what's wild is her assertion is that some of the things the evangelical church the American evangelical church has adopted are Victorian yes that's her thesis she's like there's this post industrial revolution Victorian age in England and that stuff comes across the ocean to America and it just, like, it blossoms here. Yeah, and it seeps into every area. And this is not just evangelical, it's American. That's, right. That's the thing, I, she doesn't make a good distinction. It's like, I, I feel sometimes that people are unfair to the church. The church is just American. Right, it's adopted those things from the culture. Like, every American I know is bad these exact same ways. Yeah. But they, everyone would be mad at the church because we're American. It's just, so, <laughs> what are you going to do? Who are you going to believe? Um... <laughs> So, 
That's her thesis. Now, mm-hmm. that sounds crazy. So every chapter, she goes back to Victorian England yeah, to show to where this thing comes from, how it came across the pond, and how it blossomed here, and how the church just ate it up. And the church eats it up without thinking. Right. It just takes it. And not only do they take it without thinking, the church, they actually stamp it as sacred. And that's yes. the big problem. Yes. Is that there's this assumption that this thing is not merely a cultural value. This is a from God, right. from the Bible, from heaven, non-negotiable. Yeah. And that's the bad thing. Right. Yeah. And I would say that talking about how the church adapted these things from the culture she doesn't really talk a lot about this, but it's almost like it also preserved those values even as the rest of the culture kind of like progressed <laughs> or changed in certain ways. And the church was like, be- maybe because they spiritualized it, they're like, this is our thing. We have to stick to this as a means of like separating ourselves from the culture when it would try to move past. And we'd be like, no, we have to stick with this. It's like it froze that Victorian thing. Like this is the way to do things. And we have to preserve that because that's being like faithful to our convictions when it might just be, you know, that that's how things were at a certain point in time. And we're like, this is the way it has to be done forever. It's faithful to a cultural reality, not yeah. to a biblical reality. Right. Um, so chapter one is hard, but the rest of the chapters are all individual social imaginaries. Right. Um, and I enjoyed the chapters. Yeah. Should we read through just the titles? Yeah, the, the, we'll, do the titles. I want to pack everyone. Do you but... want to do the, the subtitles too? The subtitles are really fun. Sure. Okay. Okay. So it starts with Awakening. Mumford, MLK, Hurston, Hughes, and other poets. The next chapter is Conversion. Languid Dr. Pepper and Ebenezer Scrooge. Then is Testimony, Grace Abounding, and Evangelically Speaking. Improvement. The Puritan Work Ethic. Paradise Lost, and The Price of Progress. Then we have Sentimentality, Uncle Tom, Sweet Jesus, and Public Urination. Ayo, <laughs> Materiality, Chapter 7. Jesus in the Window, The Virgin Mary on Grilled Cheese, Gingerbread Houses, and The Sacramentality of Church Space. Then, Domesticity. Your favorite chapter! I mean... <laughs> Angels and castles and prostitutes. Oh, my. Chapter 9, Empire. Your favorite chapter. Uh, <laughs> the white man's burden. Um, his his man Friday, the Jesus nobody knows, and what Johnny Cash really knew. Then we have Reformation. Pardon me, Reckoning or Rip Van Winkle? And the last chapter, Rapture or How a Thief Came in the Night but Left My Chick Tracks Behind. Um... So she examines all of these ideas. And some of them, like, is you feel like a cold breeze? Yes, because I propped the door open. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. It's so cold, Angie. It's stinking 30 degrees outside and our door's open. Anyways, um, this is, we we run a pretty high-end operation out here. (laughs) Um, So uh, so some some thoughts from some of these chapters. And And the chapter on progress. Puritan mm-hmm. work ethic. Mm-hmm. Blew my mind. She goes to this book written in the, in the Victorian age um, about self-improvement. Like self-improvement is not a forever thing. It, it, it has a birthday. Mm-hmm. And this guy writes this book on self-improvement. It might be called Improving the Self. And the yeah. first chapter, or the first chapter, first line says, 
God helps those who help themselves. It blew my I've heard that line my whole life. So pervasive. It comes from a book written back then. And the line was so popular. It, I heard people say things like, you know, the Bible says, and they say that line. Mm-hmm. It's like in my, people's thinking, it's the same level as Holy Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just an example of how these cultural things are in the air. And we breathe them in and have no idea where they started or where they came from. Right. The chapter on domesticity oh, um, is really interesting. And I a lot of it I had studied in a women's history class in college. But just the idea that, and, and that class we actually called it the cult of domesticity. Just this, the cult of domesticity. <laughs> this notion of, well, the idea of men going to work outside the home and women staying home. Um, and, you know, that there's man's work. And um, and women's work, and they're in the kitchen. That that's a that that's a modern development. In that you know, that's industrial revolution development. Yes, because all of a sudden, instead of keeping a farm together, together, where the man and the woman would go outside and do the farm things, and you know maybe the man would go a little farther from home, just like in old you know ancient hunter gatherer societies, the man might go farther away in a in a hunting party because the women had babies strapped to their backs. Um, but that this this notion of the man going to work and the woman staying home was because men were going to work in factories, and women couldn't do that. And so then it became At like first. a man's home was his domain, his castle. That whole notion, and that this whole idea of it being the man's job to provide and the woman's job to keep the home is actually a modern Western ideal, um, which a lot of people. Would probably not like to hear, <laughs> but she examines it very closely. And I, it was fascinating reading that yeah. stuff. Fascinating. Um, the, the the chapter on sentimentality. I'm a sentimental <laughs> sap. I love heart. I love emotion. Someone called me romantic uh, just yesterday. I was, I was very I'm very glad to be called You're that. Not wrong. Um, but um, he talks about. She talks about how evangelicals really enjoy sentimental slop. Mm -hmm. We enjoy... (laughs) Where does that... That line comes from something. Sentimental slop. Oh, I don't know. I've read it. I used to really enjoy who said that. I don't know who said it. Anyways, um, but sometimes... So she talked about how, like, um, the masses... um, She used Dickens Mm -hmm. and his book, Christmas Carol, to highlight... and it. It was the perfect illustration. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is this is touchy feely all the way down. It is. And it is like, I mean, the Muppets Christmas Carol makes me cry every time. So, and it's not because of the Muppets. <laughs> I mean, it's, maybe it's kind of. But. It's just this like, pull the heartstrings yes. stuff. And she says, evangelical. The, the problem is when you want the sentimentality, but you want it divorced from truth or cost. Right. And that, that if it makes you feel the thing, that's enough, even if it's not based in. Which is pretty much the, the modern worship movement. Ayo! <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> make me feel something. Um, but. <laughs> but, uh. So I'm saying there's. There's good. There's, there, I yeah. really enjoyed the book. Yeah. Um, what's your all, all together, what's your. Um, what do you think? Any, any other scriptures you want to highlight? Any other things you um, read that you really wanted to highlight? No, I think I don't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nothing um, particular. I actually look. I like the book. Um, 
I learned a lot. I was challenged a lot. And you understand, me and Angie were not, we didn't walk into this, this didn't like blow our minds. Yeah, most of this was not There's new. stuff in the air? Because <laughs> um, when for us living in India, and we saw, again, every culture does this. Yes. In India, we saw how the Hindu Christians just, just they brought some of their Hindu, mm-hmm. their their Indian cultural realities into the church. We mm-hmm. saw a man hit his wife at church one Sunday. And we asked, well, how'd this happen? And this is just part of village life. Men right. hit their wives to show their displeasure. And there, there, it, was, it was an unexamined reality. Right. And there were like random superstitions that they would do. And we're like, why do we do this? And like, well, we just believe, I don't know. You'll have good luck if you do that. Or like things that to us are just completely... I mean, how many Christians we know knock on wood? Da, da, da. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> um, so, so we saw. So at first, I was like, man, why do I thought these these Indian Christians? They're they're they 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 keep their cultural realities. They don't. Christ hasn't seeped down to the smaller places. But then the next thing that happens if you live there somewhere, live somewhere different for a long mm-hmm. time, you wonder how much of my stuff right. is not the stuff. Mm-hmm. How much of my Americana? How much about Christianity is Americana and not Jesus? Right. That's a tough place. Yeah. That is a hard thing to face. Yeah, it is. But it's an important question because, I mean, every one of these things that she brings up is so, so pervasive in American evangelicalism. And it's taken to be gospel truth. And it, I mean, it poisons. It's not a given. Thing. Yeah, it's, it, it, I don't know puts people against each other that really have more in common than they realize, but they, they go to these hills, you know, and die on these, these issues that are not primary. And um, it's really important to examine at some point which of those things are the true true and which are just things we've made up. There are things in this book I used to be all in for. Yeah. And that I had to realize this is not part. This is not the. This is not the foundation. This right. is not. Like, it's just not like. And we like our marriage of domesticity. Our marriage is very old-fashioned Mexican. Sure. I mean, I go to work. I don't roll out tortillas by hand, though. Oh, you should. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, I I, I go, and then Angie keeps the home. Right. You know, it's 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 a very traditional thing, um, but. I don't think this is the way, the truth, and the life. No, and that's not... Yeah, not only would we not say that everyone has to do it that way, but it was not unexamined in our case either. It was not a. It was not just a given. We talked about what roles we would... We I would asked her, fill. like, she, she, she wanted some time off. She took her maternal leave. Maternity leave. leave. Maternity leave. And then the time came on, I'm like, what do you want to do now? She's like, I want to be home with these kids. I'm like, okay, that's with this kid and the kids. And they got to school. She's like, do I go to work? I want to be home without these kids. Like, she's like, do I go to work now? I'm like, you don't have to. If you if you want to carry this piece, that's worth that's worth it to me. <laughs> I'll pay for that all day long. Um, so it would it was very much discussed. It yeah. was not an assumption or a given. It and not every family's the same. Right. Um, like, we have friends of ours, um, ladies who have babies, and they let them go to work as soon as they can because, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be home with this kid all day. I'll go crazy. Yeah. You know? So people are different. That, that's right. not an evil thing. It's not a bad thing. Right. And that's the thing about these imaginaries aren't bad in and of themselves. Like, she just wants to get across to people that they should look at those things and not just take everything for granted that's given to us. Like, we need to, we need to think about what we believe and why. 
And I mean, I think that that's evident by how how much of the evangelical church is wrestling with like deconstruction and people, you know, the ex-evangelical thing because people are are not content with the answers that they've just been handed, which is fair, but a lot of times people don't want to do the deep work of figuring out what actually is true underneath it. They're just like, I don't like what you've given me, so I throw the whole thing the whole out. Thing. I yeah. have in my life, and yeah, the word deconstruction, I don't like, it, 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 the word is, has so much baggage to it now, and words do this, um, but I had, what do we, we, used to, we used to have a different word, we used to call it something else, we used to call it um, a crisis of faith. Just, yeah. Um, and I had a few of those in my life. Yeah. One of them was, how much of this is my, is my, Pastor whom I love. Right, how much when you went to Bible. Bible college, yeah. Get out of here, dog. You're, you're gonna, <laughs> so, um, then there was, in India, how much of this is America, how much of this is Jesus. Right. So there's these moments of, but again, during those things, I never got mad at Jesus. No, it's, I think that's an important thing to realize. And the people who were American weren't evil. No, well, they hopefully were, weren't. They were also just believing Bre- what they had been in the given. air. Yeah. Um, and also, they're very American things. So, right. The only the only diss I have in this book, um, this is the wrong word because it's great. Um, it I, I recommend it wholeheartedly to those who want some. If you want to eat yeah. a steak with a fork and knife, this is a good book. Yeah, I would say yeah. It's not for everyone. It's not which, for most. Yeah, which is kind of a shame because, I mean, in the sense that I think that this would be really helpful for the evangelical American church at large. Like a book about these things in language that the evangelical American church could actually understand would be helpful. And so, um, yeah, the, the concept is fascinating and fantastic. Um, just maybe not as accessible that's, as it could be. That's exactly right. So I, I recommend this to anyone who wants a steak meal, a steak dinner. Uh, the last three chapters, um, Empire, Reformation, Reformation, and Rapture. Rapture. I feel like there's another one in between. So these three chapters, Empire, Reformation, oh, and Rapture, right. um, they felt... I want to use not muted language. What's a call when there's like there's like middle? There's like I want it to be strong. I don't want it to be pointed language. I want it to, I want it to be what? Um, tempered. I want my language moderate. to be tempered and moderate. Um, there seems to be a little more. Hurt and anger. Mm-hmm. Not anger, but hurt and maybe a knife in the last few chapters. Like, burn this mother down. <laughs> and and maybe because I'm in Flint, Michigan, maybe because we are not in the... Maybe because we were, these are not unexamined realities, maybe because we have intentionally... We intentionally read things that are outside of our wheelhouse, right. and we're not very. We're, we try not to. We we don't give ourselves the machine that is right. the evangelical 
yeah. industrial complex. Right. Um, and we try to keep things in their proper place as well, not elevating um, or worshiping or idolizing things that are not primary. So maybe I don't realize how bad it is out there. It's possible. Like, but I've taken some hits. <laughs> That's fair. I've been accused of stuff, you know? Um, I just, even when I had my head kicked in by Christians or churches, I never was mad at God or Jesus about it. Yeah. I mean, it was never him. It was just people are people. and People are messy. People sometimes are Make dumb. mistakes and yeah. they hurt you. And I'm like, oh, okay, this person blew my life up. That, that hurt real bad. I'm going to go over here and cry and hold my side. Yeah. But I was sitting there with Jesus getting you know, holding on my stuff. Because, um, I mean, they kind of beat him up too. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, they do. They did. And they do. Um, so I just, some of the stuff she said, I was like, I just like, I just, I was like, I'm going too far. Are you throwing too many rocks? Are yeah. You, are you trying to pull down too much? And I have friends that say, burn, burn it all down. And I'm like, even for me, I grew up in the evangelical industrial complex. I started going to church when I was 13. I was around CCM, Steve Chris Chapman, DC oh. Talk, WWJD. The Prayer of Jabez. I was around this stuff, dude. I was around it. And even though I was around it, there's some good that came to me from it. Sure. And I'm glad for the good. Yeah. I don't hate it all. Some of the... I was listening to Dancing with the Dinosaur in the office the day. Stephen Chapman. And my assistant was like... My administrator at the church was like, what the crap is this? I'm like, this is cheese you don't even understand. That's the sentimentality chapter. <laughs> listen, I listen. I know Carmen is the cheesiest oh cheese goodness. that ever Velveeted. But sometimes you want some chili cheese dip. I'm telling you, you sometimes I like, this song ministered to me in a moment. I know it's sentimental slop. But there's crap. Listen, everyone likes crap that's crappy. Yeah. Jimmy Buffett isn't isn't good. It's the same song done 150 times, but I dig that song. Do you know what I'm saying? To each his own. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I think I think what you're saying is true. Like she gets a little pointed in the end. Like she makes some snarky comment about uh, like, what the Left Behind series oh, or something. Dude. Or no, Frank Peretti. I don't know. She's like. Dickens, it was not. And I'm like, that's not a fair comparison. Like, you're a literary professor. You know and that's not there's fair. there's a chapter where she not goes... not trying to be Dickens. Three or four pages against the painter of light. What's that guy's name? Oh, Thomas Kincaid. So, Thomas Kincaid, listen. I mean, I'm sorry he sold so many paintings. <laughs> that's not his fault that we're dumb. That's like, true. And she goes at him for three pages. I mean, she's like beating a kindergarten in the corner. The guy's dead. She's like, ka ka yeah, and I'm somebody like, somebody loves him and they're reading this. And they dude, and I, if his kid reads this, like, it's sad. Carousel <laughs> Pryor's just giving this deacon elbow to this Thomas Kincaid. Listen, the guy, he paints better than I do. I mean, what <laughs> do you want? If, if, if I painted something people liked and bought it, why get mad at me over that? Yeah. Um, and there's the thing about the guy, the, the other painter, the, the Jesus head. That was everywhere, and then he did that. That guy wasn't the, a bad guy either. No, and there was the Jesus at the door. My grandma had that painting in her, in her guest room. I, I tell you, and it was like comforting to me. There was a, there's this painting of the Jesus head that's the most famous oh, Jesus painting of all time. Iconic. I found one in the office. Really? I found one in the office. I mean, I guess everybody has one. That's the way. I, <laughs> like the painting in this book I found in my office, which is kind of freaky. Yeah. That's, that's not Google. That's just like random, like Christian culture. 
Uh, yeah, so it was everywhere. The last few chapters, I felt there was a little bit of a knife. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm like, you know, God, I, I, I just... But again, I maybe I'm too far far away from this. Maybe I'm far away from the, the power structures and the big dogs. And, and, the, I'm, and the weaponizing fear, which I think happens. Like, the, you know, people... You know, the, the institution can try to keep people under their thumb. I think... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that happens. Um, yeah. I get yelled at by this institution sometimes. Sure. But I'm just like... Oh, you also get yelled at by people who hold things as yeah. sacred that are not sacred. It's just, it's a mistake people make. Yeah, I'm like, okay. Give a little grace. I mean, so, so again, I know she's, she got crushed by this, yeah, the system. She did. she did. I mean, Liberty smoked her. The Baptist smoked her. The Baptist is smoking everybody right now. Especially girls. Oh, man, SBC. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to say, SBC, if you're watching this, what are you guys doing? I mean, just calm down. Like, you're more than a Republican, and you're more than dude preachers. Calm it down, man. This is a podcast. You need to calm down. <laughs> the SBC, they blew it. They killed Beth Moore. She's they so didn't sweet. Kill her. She's still alive. You need to calm down. They stinking <laughs> ran her out. Like this, this, and she was like, she was so polite and sweet. Though even her book, she didn't stick your poke in the eye. She was sweet to them, even if they killed her. And I'm like, what does what does Hebrews say? Of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the SBC was not worthy. Um, so. Man, I, I went off on a tangent here. <laughs> we should talk about what books we're going to read. Okay. Woo! Good book. Good book. We are releasing our book, our, our reading list for the year. Um, it'll be, we'll probably put it on our Facebook page. You can, we'll probably try to pin it. But we're going to read a book every other month. For April, we're going to be reading a, a banger. Oh, I was going to get it out and I forgot. It's a book. It's your choice, baby. Go ahead and tell everyone what you chose. It's called The Ball and the Cross by G.K. Chesterton. Oh. He's read it. He says it's good. I haven't read it. But I like Chesterton. Um, Chesterton is... A weird one. <laughs> yes, but he's very. he's got a lot of uh, range. As far as, like, he, he wrote, reads, like, theology, philosophy, but he also yeah. writes murder mysteries right. and random stories. And very... Yeah, like a man... Called, what was it called? The Thursday? Man Who Was Thursday? The Man Who Was Thursday. It's very, like, fantastical. And it's kind of a mystery, but kind of a... It's Jesus! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to call it. But anyway, I look forward to reading this one. It's the Lord! <laughs> oh, man. I haven't eaten breakfast. Um, What else is going on? Okay, so we're going to cross April. Mm -hmm. April, May, June. For June, we're reading... The Thrill of Orthodoxy by Trevin Wax. It's a book about what we believe and why. It'll be... It, it, it's Trevin Wax was one of my profs at Wheaton. Yeah. So I'm like, it might be a little deeper water too. But I, I like reading stuff sometimes that's a little like... It's good Makes to you think. think. Yeah. You know? Not um, a bad thing. So that's Trevin Wax. Thrill of Orthodoxy. After that, what do we got? You write this down? Uh, no. Um, we'll put them all online. Yeah, well, yeah. It's I wrote it down on my so phone, but I turned this off the... because people were calling me during the podcast. You can get started on the next one. Yeah. So, and we're and listen in we two will weeks. Do a, yeah, we'll be right back here with Ernesto's top five fiction. Oh shoot, it's gonna be crazy. Um, I will be less offensive to my Southern Baptist brothers don't and sisters. Count on it. Don't count on it. Listen, I don't hate those guys either. No, 
Like I'm half sure of them are great. Some, are, some <laughs> of them, I'm sure, are good guys. Um, and girls. Yeah. Um, it's just it's, it's so so. Here's it. So. Oh, you have a list. Uh, March, that's top five. April, Ball on the Cross. May, we're doing episode on film adaptations of Sherlock Holmes. That's going to be a blast. June, Thrill of Orthodoxy. Uh, July, we're doing a deep dive into an Edgy's favorite uh, genres of, of literature. Poetry. Not my favorite. Poetry. But it doesn't get a lot of love, you know, from book readers. Anybody. <laughs> August, we're reading Mouse by Art Spiegelman, a graphic novel. September, we're doing an author deep dive on the one and only Andrew Peterson. In October, Angie picked the book for nonfiction, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Or Brother Lawrence, I think so. One of those brothers. November's our year in review. And December, reading The Brave New World by Al Dux Huxley, oh. one of my all-time favorites. Merry um, Christmas. So that's that's our year. So we'll put a whole... So you'll see, you can read whatever you want with us. And we'll be doing reviews every other month and episodes once a month and stuff. So that's Social Imaginary. Or, no, that's Evangelical Imagination. Whatever it is. It's, it's imaginary. Good book. I, I loved book. it. Deep book. Not, not for everybody. Shh, yeah. doggy. Um, and that's that's it. Yeah, baby. That's it. Okay. We now, like books. We like books. Now, here's something right now. Not everyone can watch Facebook all the time. This is available in an audio format on Amazon Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify Podcast. Just look for I Like Books oh. and you'll find us. Um, big time over here. Big timers. Big time in <laughs> it. Um, so you want to listen to audio, you can do that. We're here on Facebook. Again, Wednesday at 10 a.m. We're doing one in two more weeks. Um, schedule will be on the website, is on our Facebook as well. We have no website for this uh, podcast yet, but we're working on it. We got lives. Got things we going got on. Books to read. Books to read. Tornado Sirens to wake up in the middle of the night for. Uh, we got a lot of going on. Wow. Got a dog to cry and need our attention all the time. It's crazy. So, so that's 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 the book. I hope um, some of you might pick it up and read it and uh, enjoy it. Carol Pryor. She's written other things. Give her. She's she's a she's a brilliant. She's a great writer. A brilliant lady. Worth reading more of her stuff. I'll have to read more before my life is over. Sounds good. Sounds great. Okay. Um, well, God bless everybody. Um, I'm Ernesto. I'm Angie. And we say it together. One, two, three. We, we like, like books. books. Ayo! Okay. I got to take this. Of cheese. Oh, I just did this. Oh, no. I said zoom in on accident. Hey! Okay, hold on. How do I turn this off? I don't know.